You know, today's guest just sold something to Brad Pitt. And I wonder, like, why on earth didn't he think that was a spoof? Well, in this case, Brad Pitt was the real deal. But our guest today did find himself in a real conundrum. He was uh, suspicious of Brad Pitt until Bono confirmed it, though. All right, stay tuned, because we're going to learn something about staying safe if you have a small business. And with that, welcome to What the Hack, a true cybercrime podcast. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Fried Leonard. And I'm Travis Taylor. Tim Byrne, welcome to our show. Thank you. We'd like to get to know a little bit about you. So first of all, where are you coming to us from? We're in, uh, I have a company based in Oakville, Connecticut, and we build vintage industrial style furniture, pretty much one of a kind pieces. We do some manufacturing, but it's all unique furniture. And Oakville, if our listeners haven't heard of that, where is that? Is that near Hartford? Where is that in Connecticut? close to Brass City, which is Waterbury. Did you say Bra City? I did not. It said Brass. <laughs> I like, br br I heard Brazier, but that's more me than you. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. It's better than Hat City, which we're also next to. I'm also coming to you from Connecticut. And, you know, if you don't know Tim Burns' work, his work has been seen in stores like La Labo, All Saints, Diesel, Ralph Lauren, Barney's, the list goes on and on. He's worked with many top name designers. He helped, his lighting is in the Gramercy Park Hotel. And his private sales, I don't know if we can talk about them. Can I mention some of those? You can mention them, yeah. Well, I believe you've sold things to a countryman of yours named Bono and Malcolm Gladwell, who's not a countryman of yours, John Stewart, Meg Ryan, Bruce Springsteen, Jimmy Kimmel. It's a, it's a really impressive list of people. And the work also seems very familiar. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, I, I know that work. Are you the first person to do this sort of design? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I started doing it in the 90s. We were doing it before it was cool. And then other companies began to see what we were doing. And so we've been copied by a lot of uh, big chain, you know, big box company, restoration hardware, Clayton Barrel, you know, companies like that. We were doing one-of-a-kind pieces. We never copied ourselves. We wanted to always remain original because the furniture we make is made using the original pieces that we redesigned and make it into functional furniture, all based on industrial items. Other companies latched onto it and began to make their version of it in multiples. It, we actually named it Vintage Industrial. We didn't even know what to call it. Then it became used in the design world as Vintage Industrial. What is Vintage Industrial? We see it as using authentic industrial pieces that have been redesigned into functional furniture. A lot of the items we use are cast iron, which are, you know, it, it just has really great design in it. it. It was made at a time when the whole process was, you had a designer, you had the uh, draftsman who designed the layout for the pattern maker who made the patterns who went to the foundry. From the foundry, it went to the machine shop, and then from the machine shop, it went into assembly where it was turned into a machine. Now, at the time, labor was cheap and metal was expensive. So the design incorporated a lot of detail to use the steel in the best way possible. So they weren't going to waste any, any of it. But 
in that process, really great design came out of it. You know, a lot of, uh, really a lot of nice items. We latched onto that and began to see how, you know, I'm a cabinet maker, so how I could see it incorporated into building furniture out of it. So uh, that's what we did. And I say we, because, you know, it, we, it's a little company. So I like to include my guys in the construction of it. So by little, he means 30,000 square feet overlooking the Waterbury <laughs> downtown area. So is vintage industrial like steampunk or is that something completely no, different? No, 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 no. Steampunk is like putting lipstick on a pig, right? It's, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, steampunk, I, to me, is where they add items to make it look better, which have no use whatsoever mm-hmm. in the piece, where we actually will strip a piece down and just leave the skeleton of what it was. If it has gears and wheels on it, they will work. Like we build these tables that'll crank up. In fact, we just got an order yesterday for one. And you can adjust them, you can adjust the table up and then we put nice wood on it, whether it's walnut or slabs of cherry or bobinga, you know, really nice pieces. So it's it, it works, whereas, you know, steampunk, they will put gears on to make it look like it's artistic, which I don't think it is. So Tim, judging by your accent, doesn't sound like you're originally from Oakville, Connecticut. Uh, so where are you from? Do I have to tell the truth? You do, especially even if it gets you arrested. Uh, All right. <laughs> Here's my story. I'm Irish. I'm from Dublin and emigrated here in 1987. Unemployment in Ireland at the time was approaching 20%. So I thought I'd come and look in the land of plenty. And I have a sister living in, in, in Connecticut who I stayed with. I arrived on a Tuesday and had a job on a Wednesday. Wow. <laughs> Very so, Are you now one of us or are you still an Irishman? I have dual citizenship. I can leave anytime I want and have a place to stay. <laughs> We're not always you an Irishman, Bo. <laughs> oh, so I can, I can travel around the world on my Irish passport and just have to enter, exit the United States on my U.S. passport. I have dual citizenship. So. I have a memory, I think other people do too, of your work being at some of the old flea markets on 6th Avenue back in the day. You were a fixture there, right? In the 90s, yes. We used to, uh, I, you know, I'm a cabinet maker and I got I got very bored working for Gold, Gold Coast Housewives <laughs> who didn't know what they wanted. <laughs> anyway, no, I, it was... I was always very interested in furniture, uh, always loved it. And um, so I started buying mid-century modern and selling it on 25th Street between 5th and 6th at the flea market in the 90s. And uh, I had a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. Um, got to know a lot of dealers, got to know a lot about furniture. and, and uh, But I began to see industrial pieces uh, showing up there in their original state. and. You know, I was looking at it saying, well, I could actually do a lot with the piece. And so I began to source places to buy it and did a lot of industrial auctions, a lot of old warehouses that are being pulled down and I started driving all over the place and picking up things. And I couldn't tell you how many times people have said to me, 
why are you buying that? They just thought it was a piece of garbage. I pulled a thing out of uh, out of a field in upstate New York. It was behind a factory. And we pulled this. It was like a cart out of a muddy field. And we pulled it up, put it on my truck. And we made it into a table and sold it to a hedge fund in South Africa for an astronomical amount of money. Sounds like a good gig if you can get it. We do a lot of restoration of original pieces. You don't have to do a lot to, you know. Um, but industrial pieces, are they're all unique um, because they come out of factories, industrial settings, and have been abused and beaten. Sometimes it requires a lot of work to get a piece to look really fantastic. You might get two or three pieces and make one out of it, especially with lighting. We'd buy lots of old industrial lighting and the parts are interchangeable. So you'd have to spend a lot of work cleaning it and making one good lamp, maybe out of three. And then you can ask a good price on it. Well, that's why Tim has 30,000 square feet up there. In and most of it's trash. <laughs> <laughs> So do you only make original pieces that incorporate artifacts from industry or do you make original pieces? Um, there is an item that we bought from a school in Pennsylvania about 15 years ago and people really liked them. So we went ahead and now we read, they were designed for uh, children in school. They were seats. So we redesigned and made them bigger, suitable for adults. So we have them manufactured. Just. That's about the only thing we, we manufacture, but we sell a lot of them. Well, that might bring us to our first topic, Tim. Do you have a trademark on that? We have a couple of patents, which are basically useless, to be honest with you. And we have a trademark. Uh, we do have a trademark on, on our name and our logo. That's about it. You had somebody reach out about your trademark recently, right? Yeah. In fact, I have one here, uh, which we got in the other day, um, from the Patent and Trademark Bureau. So what does this letter say? So we got two of them. Our name is trademarked and our logo is trademarked. They want us to renew and send them money. With a little investigation, we found out that we only send money to the patent office renewals or through an attorney. If we have patents and they need to be renewed, our attorney will let us know. So we'll send them money and they'll renew it. What kind of money was this? Uh, I don't know. Um, let me see. I don't know what they were asking. They want us to get in. Your trademark requires filing. They just want us to sign a document and return it, and then they would send us a bill. Obviously, if you sign and return it, that means they got somebody on the hook. Right. We actually heard that last year, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office saw four times as many of these types of frauds. Everything from collecting payments, phishing for info, even the selling off of illegally registered trademarks. Didn't we have an episode about trademark fraud? Nadine. For jewelry, right? Uh, yeah, she was a gemologist. Yeah, she, she had applied for a, a trademark on her name and logo. And she gets a phone call while she's driving, presumably from the... USPTO, the Patent and Trademark Office, uh, saying that th they saw her application and they were willing to help her expedite her application if she were willing to pay something around $480. Yeah, that was it. And uh, as we've seen a bunch of times with other, other scams, it's usually just a little bit under $500. Oh, right. And that is so that they don't get nailed for a more uh, serious crime. Right. So it really seems like these type of scams are on the rise, right, guys? Yeah. 
Now, you sell stuff all the time uh, right. to companies and to private individuals, and you come across scams quite a bit, as I understand it. Is that right? Yeah. Um, probably once a month, we get a juicy one. Um, and wh what does a typical juicy one look like? We ship all over the world, and the furthest we have sent items um, was to a remote area in New Zealand. So it's not unusual for us to get an email to say, uh, we are based in Christmas Island. We would like to buy, you know, we like your items and we would like to purchase, you know, whatever. You can have it shipped to our warehouse in New York, where we will then have it shipped to our location in whatever. Christmas Island, I think, was one. And the Bahamas, Barbados or whatever. And they'll say, do you take credit card? I would say, no, we don't. We only, in, on international selling, we'll only take wire transfers. That usually, they won't do it. Now, what is it about the credit card? Adam, you're nodding your head. Why does that work? They're using a stolen credit card. So they're getting a product, essentially, for free on somebody else's dime. And how common is it that you get these kind of requests, Tim, where they're trying to buy something with someone else's credit card? Probably we average one a month from that kind of scam. Travis, how prevalent is that? Is that the majority of black market purchases of credit cards online? Is that what people are doing? Is they're buying the credit card, buying goods, having it shipped somewhere and making the money on that? Is that the, the game? Yeah, pretty much. That is the standard uh, playbook there. Got you. All right, so more recently, you just had somebody try to try a wire scam with you, Tim. Can you tell us about that? This was a pretty good one. I have it here in front of me, and there's a series of 13 emails back and forth, and they sounded very convincing in the beginning. 13? That's a lot of emails. I mean, this went on for a bit. Seems like they must have been pretty convincing, but this is where things went sideways. So, Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I, I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it, I like it, and they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. 
I trade stocks and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Okay, Tim, we're back. Walk us through this attempted wire scam step by step. So it's not unusual to get overseas emails. We have even shipped to England, believe it or not. (laughs) That was a joke, in case you missed it, those Irish. (laughs) You know, we've shipped all over the world, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, England, France, Europe, Germany. So it's not unusual to get overseas emails requesting quotes, shipping quotes, and so forth. 99% of the time, they're genuine. This one we got... A guy who sent us an email and he said, basically, he has a client who's very interested in buying our swing out seats. Could you please provide information, pricing and delivery lead times? You know, he gave his name, company name and everything. It seemed genuine. So we responded that, yes, we have them in stock. If you can give us the delivery, you know, location, we can get our shipping quote and give you a complete quote, which we did. And Okay, and Tim, how many did he order? He wanted 40. 40. And is that a big purchase or not? That would have been about 18, 19,000. Oh, gosh. Dollars, yeah. So we got it together and sent him back to quote, and then he responded saying, yes, our client has approved it. We began to notice a couple of things that were popping up because on the order, he didn't specify which type of seat. When we sell our swing-out seats, you could buy either all or oak or ePay, depending on where you want to use it. So he didn't answer that. We went ahead, sent a quote. And um, so anyway, yeah, I was back and forth looking for, you know, what seat they want. And they said, just say, we, we just want exactly what you stated on your website. Okay. Um, now, hold on. Is that a red flag? Because if I'm spending $19,000 or $18,000, I'm not going to say, oh, just send me whatever. Yes. That was a bit of a red flag to us. So we went ahead and sent a quote because the price is the same order. You know, that was something we could finalize. He never indicated which it was. So then we get, we request you generate the invoice of 40 units at your earliest convenience. Our client prefers to pay via wire transfer for the units. Alternatively, if a QuickBooks integrated payment system invoice option is available, it will be preferable. So there he uses preferable twice, right? Therefore, we kindly <laughs> ask you share here with us details to enable us to make payment through the preferred method. Let's stop. Now, you're saying that it's the preferable part that's making you wonder what's going on. <laughs> Travis, what's the part that's making you wonder? No, because people say dumb stuff all the time, Tim. The um, Well, with QuickBooks, that's often used in scams because it's coming from a legitimate domain. Right. And Adam, you love QuickBooks because it's, it's always so like hassle-free and doesn't have any, 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 uh, I find it very easy. 
It's just a couple <laughs> except steps. Except when you don't. Except when you don't. When I don't. Well, I can't figure out how to save it or how to export it. But other than that, and I know how to use it. And that's my, but that's my point is like people are familiar with it. They don't know all the features on it. So it's, it can be a little buggy. Travis's point is the best because when you are asked to do something through QuickBooks, you're like, oh, well, this, there's no question here what it is. Tim, when you were looking at it, your first thought was that the language just seemed Yes, it seemed a little iffy, and we do a lot of business on QuickBooks. Send out an invoice is paid online, so so he came back. The language was like in the first email. He says, "So we respond within twenty four hours. We'll respond to an email." And he says, "Thanks for your prompt attention. We eagerly await your response." Now, who the fuck says eagerly wait your response? <laughs> So looking back on the email, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, obviously. So then he responds after that. He then says, we were prepared to pay QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking, and he can backcharge if it's not right. Let me look into who this company is. Tim, what is backcharging? If the customer's dissatisfied with the product, they can... Claim from the credit card company to give them back the money that they spent because it's not what they wanted. It can go to the judgment on our part. We can raise an issue and talk to the credit card company or whatever. Once he said that, that was a huge flag for us. Maybe this isn't the right person to be dealing with here. Now, the back charge for you just means that they might say, oh, we don't like this and get your product back. I still don't understand the problem. No, there's no guarantee. Once they pay through Quick, QuickBooks, we ship the item. It goes freight and they receive the item and then they'll say, this is not what we wanted and they back charge. So there's no guarantee that you're going to get it back. They have your stuff right. and they got the money? Right. Is there any recourse for you in the sense that we're happy to return the money provided you return the product? You know, we were never in that situation. I think once it came up where we were in the right and they refused to backcharge the client, uh, but my assistant does all the logistics and selling, you know, dealing with it, dealing with our customers. But that is a potential route for scam. So what happened next with this guy? He requested a QuickBooks payment and then I, I'm like, hold on a minute. I want to, I want to look into this a little more. I saw who the company was, a consulting company. I, when I saw the email originally, I thought it was getting designers because we do business with designers and they won't tell us who the client is. <laughs> so we have a client who'd like to, you know, whatever. I looked at the shipping address and then I went on, um, I went on Google and saw that it was an office block. I'm like, what are we doing shipping a crate, a huge crate weighing 1,500 pounds or whatever to an office block? This is ridiculous. So I looked up the company and I called the company. I got the guy, it was a, a free Daniel Benninghoff and APR Consulting. I left a voicemail and he called me back and he said, oh, thanks for calling me. This is a scam. Somebody is using our name um, to buy product. And he said, if you look at the email they sent you, you will see that the email address has U.S. on the end of it. So they had APRConsultingUS.com, where 
the real company is aprconsulting.com. So that was it. We just didn't follow through with any emails and we didn't uh, send a product. And we haven't heard from their chance. That's not a small job to pack up that stuff and ready to ship, yeah? Well, not for me. My guys do it. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you didn't get lucky. You're hypervigilant. Is that accurate? Is that kind of what has to happen when you're in your shoes? Well, yeah, definitely. This went on way too long. I should have caught this earlier. When we get an email from a company, just check out the company, especially if it's a big order, right? Yesterday, we got a nice order of a table. So I called the designer just to go over a few things. And it's nice to, to realize that it's not a scam and it's a genuine thing. It's a very high price, like a $22,000 table. So I just want to make sure that they want to go ahead with it and they're not just kicking the tires. So at the end of the day, Tim, no harm, no foul? or Well, no. After we stopped jumping around with excitement for having gotten such a nice big order, we went ahead Got the shipment ready, packed it up on a pallet. It required my guys to take time and get the whole thing together. Costs us time back and forth with emails. And so time is money, right? And my guys could have been doing something else rather than spending a half a day packing up an order. Because you have other clients, so your time could have been dedicated toward taking care of them. Well, you know, we have a backlog of orders right now. We're extremely busy. It was a waste of time. If we're in your shoes and we have, uh, and we started a movement in furniture design and we like to sell our stuff for a huge amount of money, what do you do to avoid this in the future? How do you save your time? Sounds like all this does is it costs you time and maybe money, but time for sure. I mean, we get a lot of emails. You know, we get about, I would say we get 10 inquiries every day. People buying things, we're selling, we're selling items all the time. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. If we get a big order like that, it's usually going to, like a basketball stadium for Utah Jazz, we've sold them there. Where they ordered quite a few. Wins Hotel Casino, we've sold quite a few. So when we get a big order, maybe investigate it a little more before you do business with them, check them out, check the company out. Because immediately my assistant said, well, that's a nice order, but do you think it's a little fishy? And so... There was a flag immediately that we didn't investigate. But if, if, if you do have an inkling that something's not right here, follow the thread back to the company and even give them a phone call and talk to the person who sent the email. Let's do your homework. <laughs> you know, because there was like 13 emails involved that we were, we were knee deep into it. You know, usually we're not. Usually we, we, we can see them fairly quickly, cut them all. And, and I mean, we, we must get about 10 phone calls a day from, from companies, people just wanting to you to respond. It's a constant thing. I mean, we get it like, you know, like, for example, the patent renewals, right? We get false DOT renewals, you know, for a truck from companies saying, well, you need to renew your information on your commercial. We have a big truck. So you, they, with Renew That, First Dibs is a company we do a tremendous amount of business with. It's a great resource for designers and architects, and we've been with them since 2007. But we will get something like, here, Johnny just wrote it out for me. My grandmother is interested in purchasing. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's, some of them are so stupid that you have to laugh. I mean, we could frame them, right? 
Well, you're clearly very scam savvy and just wondering, is that just uh, kind of natural or did you learn that through hard experience? Well, I am from Dublin. Or are you a scammer in disguise? Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much, you know, uh, I, I grew up in Dublin, went to work in England at 16 and spent a lot of time in London in the 60s. So fairly savvy um, when I was being approached by people for whatever. My gut will raise a flag or I fart. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, so you could smell a rat, but then smelling a fart, I think is better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys, come on. <laughs> no more potty humor. Adam? No yeah. flatulence here. No, no, no. <laughs> Flush it away. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rope's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So Tim, are there any other tools other than gut and head that, uh, that you use to suss out potential scams and fraud? I mean, what are some of the best practices you'd suggest? I have a great assistant, Johnny, who reads all the emails first, and then we go over both of them together. It's good to bounce it off somebody else and get their feeling on it. But also follow through. If you do have a, a, an inkling that something's wrong, follow the thread back to the source. See if you can find if the source is real and, and not a phony, um, you know. And, uh, you, I mean, most companies will provide... If, if they don't provide enough information, like the name of the company, the name of the designer, a phone number, that's usually a red flag too. But this last one was very good. So, Well, as we like to say on this show, if you don't want remorse, go to the source. So, living proof. All right, I think we have what we need. Adam, can you do the thank you and get out of here? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tim, and get out of here. No. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. Anyway, Tim, we really appreciate you taking your time with us and sharing some good humor and wisdom. And uh, we certainly hope that everyone should have a Johnny in their life to make sure that they're not being taken. Well, I, I, I don't know about your phrasing of Johnny in other countries that uh, has a different meaning, but however, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate uh, your interest in, in what we do and uh, talking with you today. And uh, and thanks again. Take care. No, and Tim, speaking about what you do, if people would like to learn more about what you do and see the work product that you folks produce, where's the best place for them to go? Well, you can go on a website. It's getbackinc.com. 
gtbackinc.com, g-e-t-b-a-c-k-i-n-c.com, and you'll see uh, everything that's available right now. But if you do have questions on something maybe you would uh, be interested in that we may have in our warehouse, you can always send us an email at info at getbackinc.com, and we will respond to you promptly. Get Back Inc., I'm just curious, does that refer to Retribution or the Beatles song? It originally, it really referred to the speed at which we're moving as people through modern technology. I mean, technically, I'm so lost when it comes to computers, but design that were designed that was being thrown into scrapyards and uh, just passed up and overlooked. Uh, I think we've done a lot to educate people on really. You know, really good design of a past era, and that is, it was overlooked. You know, they, they, what went into making a piece required a master craftsman to make one piece that was going to be used in industry, and it was really the backbone of you know an, an industrial era in, in the United States. In fact, you know, fifty-five percent of the items made in the world were made here in the forty-eight states. That has changed dramatically. It's American history. I couldn't do this in any other country. I mean, France was very fluffy in their industry of design. <laughs> Although Jean Prouvé <laughs> Prouve was, was brilliant, but, um, you know, American industrial. And also during the Second World War, they melted everything they could possibly get their hands on for the war. Whereas the United States was a huge manufacturing in the United States was essential to the Second World War. So a lot of the pieces remain and we really like to get items pre-Second World War. So there you go. Thanks, Tim. Oh, thank you. All right. I'll see you later. We're finished. And you can go now. Okay, time for our tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to keep you safe on and offline. Travis, what do you got for this this week? So one thing I think we're uh, finding out time and again is that the internet has made it a lot easier to conduct business. But it's also provided fertile fields for all kinds of scammers. Right. And as tempting as it is just to say, stay offline, that's just not the reality for businesses or individuals. So what should people do to avoid wire fraud specifically? Well, I think you've heard me say this once, twice, a thousand times. But if you want to avoid remorse, go to the source. Anytime you're about to wire money, especially when it involves hundreds of thousands of dollars, call the person you're sending it to, confirm that it's a real request. And just double check the email of a sender. It's possible to send phony invoices from legitimate domains, but unless you're paying attention, getting an email from, say, whattheheck.com, uh, instead of whattheheckpod.com, it's just not going to stand out to you. Also, no matter what the size of your business, invest either some time in educating your employees to recognize scams or some money in having someone else do it. You're really only as secure as your least cyber-aware employee. Which, in some cases, might be you. Me? That tracks. Nope. There's always going to be an element of risk in sending or receiving money online. You can't be 100% safe, but you can be a lot safer if you go slow, pay attention, and ask Adam for money because he never checks. That's, that's actually not true. I've never met anybody who's more aware of accounts payable and receivable than Mr. Levin. 
I am, shall we say, financially paranoid. Just a bit. Or perhaps yeah. I, watchful. <laughs> well, actually, one other thing, which is that old scam, I can never remember the number. Remember when somebody was just taking credit cards and charging a very small amount? 984, to be exact. And you know what happens when you do that to 600 people? You make some money. Yes, you do. You do need to look at your accounts. And when you're wiring money, you need to look at the whole situation call is this the right number are you receiving it is this the right account number who are you do i know you and yet again if you get an invoice even if it is from say quickbooks or and anything that's a legitimate domain it is not necessarily going to be real and that's our tinfoil swan what the heck with adam levin is a production of loud tree media you can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.